Okay, so here we go. It's another episode of Film Streak. My name is Rob. You know the deal. We go through movies a lot. The problem is, uh, several months ago, I had a lot of things come up where I couldn't do the watching a movie every day thing. That was the whole premise of Film Streak, was I wanted to watch something new, something that I hadn't seen before, something I'd just been putting off, and... uh well, you know, life kind of got in the way, as it does. And, well, I, I just figured that um, those things were more important than film streak. So, to back up a little bit and to talk about a little bit of what happened, um, we'll go back to May. We'll go back to May of this year. And that was about the last time I um, really watched any films uh, in the current streak, you know, the last episode was film streak is dead. And that was true at the time. It also had a double meaning though, for me, um, you know, in May of this year, 2022 on mother's day, my mother passed away and it was a pretty significant event, a pretty significant change in, in my life and, uh, and, and a lot of things with my family. And, um, well, it was just hard. There's a lot to deal with. So, you know, watching movies every day and trying to enjoy them and then trying to think about them in a way that I could talk about them here. Uh, it just wasn't on top of my mind. I think you can understand, but here we are. This is now, uh, we're a few months removed now, uh, almost five months since all that went down. And, uh, yeah, I can't say I've stopped watching films, but I have stopped watching them every day just because so many other things were, were happening and, and were more important that, um, I just couldn't find the time. And, for a lot of those days, I wasn't in the mood. So, um, film streak just kind of went away. And uh, that's not to say I didn't like the idea and I didn't believe in it anymore. Because if you're listening to this, then maybe you kind of get what we're doing. And you, you maybe you were following along. Maybe you're just uh, interested to see what other movies uh, are out there in the world. And, you know, maybe you started your own film streak. Start watching something that's new to you. Kind of get out there, branch out a little bit, try some things you hadn't tried before. Well, that was the whole idea. And so I did find a lot of enjoyment in that. I did find that it was uh, it was educational. It taught me some things, not just about films and about filmmakers and, and genres and all that stuff that I maybe wasn't as familiar with. But it just taught me a lot about how to enjoy films and what I really got out of them. So here we are now. Um, I'm going to make this a little bit of a, 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 an adjustment for film streak because I still like the premise and I still want to do this, but I can't do this every day. And so, you know, film streak, I guess, as it was originally conceived or put together, it's going to be different now. It's just going to be different. And you know, that's okay. Right. So here's what I want to do. In this episode, 
I'm going to make this, um, I'm going to make this a special episode. This episode is going to go out to mom. And when I say go out to mom, I mean, after she passed away, there was a period, of course, where I I didn't want to have anything to do with movies. I didn't, I didn't find anything amusing or entertaining. Um, I just didn't feel like I had the mind to even focus on things. So I didn't. But in thinking about mom and thinking about so much of what happened and, um, you know, you think back, you think about, you know, memories, good times and, and just experiences over the years. I started to connect these two threads of the life that my mom had and, and that I had with her and this life and, and this, you know, this thing of films and watching films and enjoying films and tying them into moments in life. And I think we've all had that. We've all had a, a film that we watched when we were a certain age or we lived in a certain place or we were into a certain thing in, in our a certain point in life. And those movies stick there. They're like markers, you know? It's almost like uh, like songs are the same way, right? Like you hear a song and it takes you back to where you were or when you were at a certain place, um, maybe friends you had, whatever. You know, it's just entertainment is pretty strange that way. Art in general is kind of strange that way. It's like a little bit of like a, it's a little bit of a time machine. And it doesn't just take us back to the moment or to the place. It takes us back to the feelings, right? And so that's where I, uh, I looked at a, a whole new side. I found a whole new value to films and the power of storytelling and the power of filmmaking and, and just how we can associate that with moments in our life. So all of that is to say, I've got some movies to talk about now because I went back. And I watched films that I, for one reason or another, connected to my mom. And, you know, when I was young, my mom was a single mom. It was just me and her. We rolled. We did a lot of things on our own, just the two of us. And one of those things was we just went to go see movies. So let's get into this, okay? Let's, let's, uh, let me take a stab at this and I'll try to keep myself together and, you know, not lose my shit. Um, All right, Film Streak, number 118. This is Roadhouse from 1989. That's right, the Patrick Swayze vehicle, where he plays a man named Dalton, who is uh, a tough guy, but a sensitive guy. A handsome guy, but kind of a brawler. So many mixed messages. The point is, this film was definitely not, I think, uh, it was definitely not the film that mom was expecting when we walked into the theater and had our seats. You know, this is um, certainly for a 1989 standard, maybe even by today's standards. It's, it's a pretty solid R-rated film. It's got plenty of violence, 
a little bit of nudity, lots of language, just some real adult shit going on. And it's cool because if you're watching as an adult, feels right. You know, it's a little corny. It's a little campy. It's a little badass. But when you're watching it as uh, I might have been like 13, 14 years old when this came out, this was like the greatest shit ever. This is like, wow, they make movies like this, you know? I didn't grow up in a in a in a home or with a childhood where I was really kind of this was not available to me like you know more more mature films uh and and just stuff like that just wasn't you know mom was pretty conscientious of that stuff she was very aware of like what you know what's appropriate what's not appropriate except here somehow I don't know. Maybe she was just a big Patrick Swayze fan. Know a lot of ladies in the 80s were Patrick Swayze's fans. But for whatever reason, we rolled into the theater and uh, this is what we got. And I got to say, I was pretty surprised, but I enjoyed it. And so now looking back at it, I mean, this is now. Man, this movie is almost, what, 30 years old? No, over 30 years old now. And I, I still enjoyed it. Now I can see through a lot of it as, you know, uh, from a technical, from a filmmaking standpoint, you know, it's got a lot of issues, a lot of problems or whatever, even from a storytelling standpoint, it's somewhat basic and just not very sophisticated. All right, fine, whatever. Performances aren't even all that interesting, but I don't know. It's just a lot of like, it's just attitude. It's just swagger that it's got that some movies just, even with all those other things in line, they can't pull off, you know, they can't pull off this kind of move. So Roadhouse for me is one that stands out and it's just, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with the film, I shame on you first, but go check it out. It is relatively basic. It's just, you know, a, a kind of a, a cool-headed, uh, tough guy, but smart guy, rolls into this small town. He kind of starts working there as a bouncer or, um, you know, uh, whatever the, uh, you know, an enforcer, basically. He comes into this roadhouse, this, like, just, you know, bar, and he's going to clean the place up. But he's going to do it the right way. He's going to do right by the people of the of the local town and, and by the owner and, you know, all that stuff. He's a good guy. And he finds out that there are other people that are just, you know, troublemakers. And there's even like some some of it bleeds into like corruption in the small town. And, you know, I, it tries to be bigger than it is. Really, it's just about a guy who's just a badass and knows how to, you know, get down with people. And I just like that. Honestly, the the big, you know, the dude's catchphrase is be nice. Somebody gets in your face, be nice. Somebody calls your mother a whore, be nice. Until it's time to not be nice. You know, that's just, come on, man, don't get any better than that. It's simple, but oh, it gets you. Because you're like, okay, we, we, we're not messing with this dude. So that's where I feel like Roadhouse just has a value in, in terms of 
It's just got balls. And it don't have much more than that, but it's got that. So that's Roadhouse. That's from 1989. That is one that I, it's, it's kind of a, it's a recommendation. It's close to my heart for obviously, you know, reasons related to, you know, when I saw it and, you know, seeing it with my mom. But also it's just, it's just a good time and nothing more, but it's a recommendation for sure. So go check that one out. Go find it. It's not hard to find. All right. So let's move on to 119. This is 119. This is AI artificial intelligence. And this is a film that um, I remember when this came out, this was such a big deal because it was like, this was a Stanley Kubrick project that eventually got kind of put away. And then he passed away and Steven Spielberg picked it up and basically made the film in his own vision. And it's got a lot of Spielberg touches. It doesn't have a lot of Kubrick, like a cinematic visual or, or stylistic touches. It does have some of the story elements that I feel like would have made sense for a Kubrick film. But either way, it, it's, it's just an odd kind of mishmash of things. And a lot of it, I think, works. Some of it doesn't. But for the most part, I feel like it's it still holds up. It's still pretty solid for what it is. And in a way, what it is is just a big experiment. But it also has some deeper themes about artificial intelligence and about parenthood and about motherhood and what love is and what is reality and, and what makes you you know, what, what makes a child love their mother and how, how much can that bond endure? And so, I, you know, here's one that I never saw this with my mom. I don't know if my mom ever saw this movie at all, but that's where it hit me is that this is a film about a robot boy who even when he's pushed to the edges of society and, and kind of just thrown away his bond, his, which is programmed, right? Is he's a computer and it's programmed into him, but nevertheless, it's still, it's becomes an unbreakable bond and how far he tries to go to find his mother and to find love and find peace and, and, you know, there's so much there that is actually really deep when you kind of get past a lot of the experiment of it all. And so that's where it kind of hits for me, especially in relation to my relationship with my mother. You know, it's the thing where, you know, when I was a kid, when I was a boy, me and mom were tight. It was, like I said, it was just me and her. We rolled and we did a lot together. You know, we'd go places, we, you know, and, and things with school, things with family, whatever. It was me and mom. And over the years, you know, you grow up, you get your own life, you, you start to build, you know, things for yourself and create your own path and all that stuff. And, you know, you lose, you, you, you drift apart, right? It's just natural. It's just part of life. 
But at the same time, no matter how many things came and went, or how much things changed, and we went in our own directions, they're still my mom, still in my heart. And so, you know, the 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 parallels to this character of um, David and his journey and his search for his mother and for his mother's love and for that warmth that it, it, it's uh it's pretty deep man it really hit me in a big way watching the movie again now even when i watched it i felt like i connected with it on some levels but watching it now in this new context yeah it it hit much harder it really landed and so, you know, I don't know if that's part of uh, Spielberg and his sensibility of, you know, being able to really dramatize and pull on those kinds of strings for, you know, children and parents and those relationships. I mean, it's in a lot of his movies, right? Not so much with Kubrick, but it's in there from time to time. I just feel like all of that just it, somehow it just worked out for me. And so it's a recommendation for me, of course. Um, you may, you, your mileage may vary depending on your own experience and your own relationship with your parents, right? I think that's what a lot of this might hinge on is the viewer and their point of view and their own, uh, their own baggage that they bring to the party, you know? So check it out if you can, if you can find it. Um, it's it's still a good watch to me, and it means actually a, a lot more now. All right, so let's keep this moving. This is number 120. This is Terms of Endearment. This is from 1983. And um, here is a lot I could probably say about this movie that is very specific to my situation and and my mother's situation you know my mother was sick with cancer she ended up passing away uh, and it was not at all the experience that was in this film for instance with this you know with this character and 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 everything that happens it was much more uh painful and much harder to I'm sure much harder to endure, but also just much harder to witness from from my point of view. And so this movie tries to do some of that justice. It doesn't really go to those lengths to show just how, how grueling the experience can be. But it does at least try to communicate the arc of it all. Right. Going from being young, having a family, having children, having parents, having just having family around you, having a life. And trying to do your best and trying to do the right thing. And sometimes it's just out of your control that things won't go your way. Your husband will cheat on you. Your mother will betray you. Or your kids will misbehave or or go in the wrong direction. So many other things can happen. And 
also you can get sick and die. And so, you know, that's not necessarily the, I guess, the point of the movie. I, that's what I take away from it, especially, you know, through the lens that I'm watching it. But there's nothing like watching a film that uh, just goes through someone dealing with illness. There are plenty of stories and, and films about that. I mean, I, I watched, uh, we did one in a previous episode, 50-50, right? And... uh that had a lot of humor in it, and it tried to tried to paint outside of those lines some to give us a little bit bigger view of a character and their struggle they're dealing with illness. But here, it's not about that struggle. It's about everything that comes before it, and then that is the capper. That is the thing that you're not ready for, and that is the thing that makes life hard. But is sometimes just a part of life. And so that's where, you know, I, that's where a lot of the things that I've been feeling and, and thinking about, a lot of the things that have been just floating around in my head in relation to my mom and my relationship with her and my experience as an adult now, as a parent now, and what that must have been for my mother years ago when, when, she, when she was my age. It, it, it recontextualizes everything in the past when you look at it through that lens. And so that's where I think the power of this film really lies is in painting a big picture. It's funny. It's got comedy. It's got some very serious, very heartbreaking drama. And for that, I, I can recommend it. But for me, this was a little bit lightweight in terms of how hard that hammer drops when you lose someone. And that's watching it now, though. Watching it in the past, i seen this before many years ago. I got it. It, it hit me. But watching it now, I, I know there's more to that. But it's still a good watch. So that's a recommendation also. That's Terms of Endearment. That's 120. Now, let's talk again about some movies that mom thought might be appropriate, but maybe weren't appropriate for me to be watching. <laughs> this is 121. This is Boys in the Hood. That's from 1991, starring Ice Cube, Cuba Gooden Jr., directed by young John Singleton. It's just one of those films that they rarely come along. Such a, just a streak of success that, you know, was just in the stars for everybody involved in this film. And, you know, it's one of those that when you watch it, I remember watching it. I remember mom taking me to the theater. This is 1991. I might've been just a little bit older than when I saw Roadhouse, maybe about 14, 15 years old. Right. And I just remember thinking, uh, I don't know if this movie is really something I'm supposed to be watching. But at the same time, it's like this kind of, like I didn't live in South Central Los Angeles. I didn't live in Compton, I, you know, this area, this part of the world even. But the neighborhood I grew up was not in a, you know, very, uh, I don't know, not a very great neighborhood. You know, we, we didn't have a lot of money. Our neighbor, you know, we just grew up in the wrong side of town, I guess. 
as some people would say, you know? To me, it was home. But this was life, though. This is what life was like. These kind of people, these are the people that I knew. You know, people that were were, were just trying to get by. Sometimes they were struggling. Sometimes they were getting into shit. And, you know, it, it's not to say that... Um, It's not to say that it's even a part of just, you know, the black experience. I think that's a lot of what this movie is based on and built on and, hey, all the power to it. But if you just grow up in a poor neighborhood where you don't really have access to things, you know, just anything, you're just doing day to day, just trying to get by, this is most likely going to be a very relevant experience to you. And so, you know, watching this movie now, I mean, this movie is now 30 years old. The The shame about it is that we're still dealing with this kind of shit, right? Whether it's, you know, gangs and crime or whether it's police brutality or whether it's, you know, it's just... The poverty and the and the struggle that's there, the the imbalance, all that is still here, unfortunately, you know. But the power of this film, I think, was that it shone a light on it. It really put it out and just got it out into the world. Because I think if John Singleton didn't make this movie, a lot of people might not even acknowledge that this is a reality. This is a reality that a lot of people have to deal with every day. And a lot of them can't see a way out of it. You know, there's not a lot of Rickies in the world. There's not necessarily a lot of Doughboys either. But, you know, you fall in anywhere in between there, you're still not getting very far. So, it's a... It's an interesting look at a way of life that shouldn't necessarily be a thing and unfortunately still is a thing. And I think that was ultimately the the I guess the lesson or the the thing that mom wanted me to really take away from this, to see this, you know? And uh and I did. You know, part of me was kind of just like I don't know, fascinated by, oh, look, you know, this is a movie about gangs and about, you know, youth violence and shootings and, you know, dealing with the police and, you know, getting into trouble. I mean, there's in the movie, but it's not about that. And if you watch it with any kind of mind, you can see that, you know, the very last scene with, you know, with Doughboy and Trey and they're just sitting there talking he says it all right there. And so that's where I think it's a real powerful movie. It holds up no matter what, I think. It's one of those that is solid. And so it's obviously a recommendation. But for me, at this point, it's also, it's it's a memory now that mom had the, uh, had the, uh, I guess, 
socially conscious side of her that understood this was a movie that was important. Not just that it, it, you know, it was a movie to see, but it was a movie that maybe I should see. So, again, that's a recommendation. That's Boys in the Hood from 1991. Now, the last one here I'm going to talk about is um, maybe a similar thing. You know, it's kind of a uh, a, a film that um, probably falls in the same vein for, for my experience and, and mom's wanting to watch it or, or, you know, seeing it with me. And that's The Color Purple. This is 122. This is The Color Purple from 1985. And I tell you, this has a few layers to it. of My memory of this film and why it means something to me. And one of them, the most basic one, is that my mom's favorite color was purple. Just straight up. You know? I, I mean... Going through her like her belongings and uh, things that she had. There's a lot of purple stuff. I even have her cell phone right here. I'm looking right at it. And it's got a purple case on it. And so that just immediately, that's a connection right there. I, I just think of mom. And so now I go back to when did I first hear about this? The color purple, right? I, I, for some reason, I just assumed, well, I saw the movie with mom or she, you know, somehow we watched it at the same time or together or, or whatever. I don't remember going to the theaters to you know see this on the big screen, but I know I saw it. And maybe it was on um, like on VHS at the time. Or, or on cable or TV or something. But as I thought about it more, that wasn't my first experience with The Color Purple. I remember now that I read the book first. And, of course, I mean, this was 1985. The book, I think, came out a few years before the film. And... So that would have put me at less than 10 years old, you know? And so all I remember is this book was in the house. And this was my mom's book, I'm sure, right? Where where else would this book come from? But I remember reading this book. I used to read a lot when I was a kid. I used to read all kinds of, you know, I would read comic, little comics or, or like little short stories and novels and that kind of thing. You know, pretty basic, you know, stuff you get at the library for children. And I remember reading The Color Purple and being really kind of just blown back. Like, wait, what? This is a pretty intense story, especially for a child to be reading. You know, if if you're not familiar with it, you've never seen the film, you never read the book. Do yourself a favor and do one of those things or do both of those things. But just to kind of lay a little bit out there, it's a film that's really about, you know, the struggle of a, of a young black girl coming up in the South, growing up, basically being married to a, an older man, much older man, an adult ass man. And the violence, the 
sexual abuse, the, you know, repression, the, the just, uh, there's so much that is the struggle that's illustrated in this story, which is of course offset by the kind of fantasy and the, um, almost romanticized, you know, the, the, the dream of a better place of a better way of life. And the color purple kind of represents that in the story and in the film also, but the dichotomy of like the, the, the kind of fantasy of what this girl hopes or, or hoped to achieve one day in life versus the reality that she's got to like, just grind through every single day. Um, man, it's, it's hard as shit, man. It's really tough. And the movie, I, I look, I'll say the movie, I feel like pulls some punches. It doesn't really go as far as the book goes because I think it's like a rated PG family film, you know? And, and I guess the intent maybe, you know, if you think about it, Steven Spielberg directed it. It's got Whoopi Goldberg, Oprah Winfrey, right? It's got a few people that are known. Danny Glover's in it. And I could see where it's like, we just want to get this story out to the world to as many people as possible because we feel like it's an important subject matter. It's important telling of this story. So we got to water it down a little bit. We got to lighten it up a little bit. And, you know, hey, it's valid. Okay. I get it. I feel like the movie wouldn't be made this way today. You know, it would probably be much more intense and much, you know, much harder of a watch. But for what it is, for 1985, it's a very, um, it's a very poetic version of this story. And cinematically, it's got some flair to it. It's got a little bit of a, a little bit of style, not too much. It's it's somewhat restrained for Spielberg. Really, he doesn't get flashy with it, but it's not plain. It's not basic, you know. It's got some touch to it, and the performances are all great. I I I, I can't really think of one that's just like, mm, what what were they doing? Somebody was in the wrong movie. It's a really solid effort overall. And I think if you've never read the book, this might actually hit just right for you. If you have read the book, you might feel like, hmm, well, they left some stuff out. And, and maybe for good reason. But I would say this is a recommendation. And for me, it, it, it obviously has a very special connection just with the, the title alone, the name of it. But even the story itself. And I think that's where it really hit me this time is putting the pieces together, you know, connecting those dots. Finally, after all these years, like, wait, why did mom seem to really have a, a, a take? A, a, um, why did she take a liking to this film? And why did she have the book? You know? But when I think about this book and the subject matter and, and the tone of it and the struggle of it, 
And I, you know, I, I can't help but think like mom identified with this in some ways. You know, and that's kind of heartbreaking to think. Um, that mom knew what Celie's life was like. So, if that's the kind of thing that she dealt with, whether literally or, or figuratively, you know, um, it's kind of sad. But I don't know that. So, I just go with this film as partly entertainment, partly a, an examination, a, 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 a look at the strength of, of the human will, of, of the human spirit, and how persistence can, can get you through things. And so through that lens, that's where I come back to mom and for whatever she might have dealt with, whatever she might have struggled with, whatever hurt her, she hung in there. She stays strong. You know, maybe she stays strong for me. She stays strong for herself. She stays strong for the people around her. She got through it. And, you know, ultimately, she finally faced something that she couldn't get through. Uh, so, so that's, you know, uh, so that's a tough one to swallow, but I know she tried, you know, she told me she tried. And so, um, so the color purple is, uh, like I said, man, there's levels to it. It's a film. It's a story. But, uh, I, I think to me, it's, it also illustrates, you know, it really points out how a story can connect with somebody and in ways that you don't necessarily see or, or maybe even understand. And so, and, and I know that's the case for me. And that's why I say it, because I know that's the case for me, is there are some movies that I have seen that I watch over and over again. And uh, for most people, they're probably, it doesn't mean anything. The movies are trash, but I connect with them in certain ways. And I think we all do. We all have those things, right? Like I said, whether it's a movie, it's a song, it's a, a piece of art, like a, just something on a wall, you see it, you have an immediate and a lasting connection to it that's only unique to you and that thing. 
So it's really, it's been eye-opening in that way of, of showing me the, the connection that someone can have to a piece of art, to a film, to a story. And uh, whether they decide to share that or not, whether that's something they keep to themselves, it is real and it happens and it's a part of, it's a part of, uh, it's part of how we work. So... Well, I didn't mean to end it on such a heavy note, I guess, but this has certainly um this has certainly been a journey here the last few months, and uh I'm glad to be able to do another episode of Film Street. And uh so going forward, let's just say this, okay? Uh I can't do the watching the new film every day thing. It was already hard enough before these kinds of things were going on. Uh, I started this at the beginning of the year and I really thought, oh, I'll find a way to watch a new movie every day. And uh, it didn't really work out that way. You know, there were a couple of times where I had to kind of move some things around. I had to watch two movies in one day so I could do something that didn't involve that the following day or whatever. And it's a really intense pace. And if you don't have anything else going on in your life, maybe you can do it. But... I couldn't do that. So we'll do it this way. Film Streak will continue. I will do some more episodes. I've got plenty more actually lined up. But what they're going to be is films that I've been watching, not necessarily every day, but stuff that is new to me. But I'm going to take it as they come. I'm not going to be so stringent on watching it every single day. I can't do that. I mean, who can really do that? Well, you nerd. Nah, man. I got a job. I got a family. I got the other things to do. And I enjoy watching films. But uh, you got to pace yourself. You can't go so hard, you know? And you burn yourself out. So there'll be some more episodes coming. I'm going to try and keep them somewhat regular. I'm probably going to record them as I see fit and I'll just release them on somewhat regular schedules. So, you know, look for them, stay subscribed. And if, Hey, also, if this is new to you, if you've just found this because I decided to finally do a new episode, thanks for listening. Thanks for checking this out. Um, you know, you can go to filmstreak.com and find other episodes there. Uh, or you can go and subscribe in one of your you know favorite podcast place, whatever. Um, I think uh, I think this will be interesting going forward. I do want to try to keep it up and keep going. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you soon.